Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. Being in a loving, connected, nurturing relationship requires work in the same way that if you want to build a body, you can't just like wish for it to happen. You have to get to work. Welcome to Better with Dr. Stephanie. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for women just like you with a deep desire for learning, self-actualization, and becoming more of who you already are. Every week, we are going to deconstruct how to build better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families. I'll be giving you access to world-class thought leaders to help give you the tools to answer this question. What are the simplest things that you can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and want to share the juiciest questions, topics, and often taboo conversations that I think I've always wanted to be a part of and I wanted to be having. So let's get better together. I am a huge fan of the Bio-Optimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health. The list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family. And over this winter, we have been using Elementee's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk. And my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. 
This is our apreski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. Now, for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea chocolate medley and enjoy them hot as I have been doing with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate, Melody, you love the best. I have a very special guest today. This is my fiance, the love of my life. Uh, Giovanni Marcico, who also, uh, we also are in business together as well. Certainly you are involved in my certification programs, running the business and sales and marketing and all of that. So welcome to the show. I am so honored to be here. And it's actually really funny because you're, the reason why we're doing this was because of sort of an off the cuff comment that I made to you the other day. Um, in the gym, and like we were, I think we were going to the gym or walking back from the gym. And I was like, yeah, the lungs, you know, they are, uh, you know, like our largest fat burning organ. And he was like, you were like, come again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so I was explaining this idea that, well, I mean, I'll get into like the explanation, uh, in the show, but, um, one of the things that you said was like, why have you ever spoken about this on the podcast? And I think that people need to maybe get to know you a little bit better and you can certainly explain your thinking behind it but it was like let's let's allow people in let's get let's allow people in a little bit because people know you as the interviewer they know you as the host of the better show um but there's potentially other layers there well i want people to get to know you the way i know you and i am fortunate and blessed to spend every minute with you. So you're teaching me so much all the time. And I want people to know what you've taught me. I also think, uh, and I, I will not think I know that many of your uh, Bettys want to get to know you, like the behind the scenes you, how you live your life, your routines, how you do what you do. And I don't know if you've ever spoken about these things. So I thought, why don't I interview you so that all of the Bettys and all of your fans and your audience get to know uh, the Stephanie behind the curtain, which I think will be super useful and exciting. Yeah. And we're doing it in my new podcast studio. So let's have a moment for those of you that are watching on YouTube. Uh, and if you're not, please find us on YouTube. And uh, as the cool kids say, smash that sub button. And uh <laughs> <laughs> and subscribe. you can see my new, yeah, my subscribe button. And you can see the new, uh, you can see the new podcast setup, which I've worked uh, hard on because before it was just like me against a white wall with some floodlights on it. And we've kind of, uh, we've elevated the experience a little bit for, uh, for our podcast uh, subscribers. So let's jump in. And I want to start with uh, the three topics that I think are the three biggest questions you're always getting, which is, what you eat and how you train and what your beauty secrets are. So maybe let's start with the food and not just what you eat, but when you eat and why you're making those choices. Sure. I think um, I want to pre-frame this by saying that this changes 
uh, there's a lot of, for, there's certainly, you know, what I do works really well for me because it's been a process of play and trial and error. Um, and I also have altered the way that I eat over the course of time, depending on, you know, my health and my well being. So, you know, when I was unhealthy, um, and trying to fix that, there's like a certain, you know, intervention, there's a certain way of eating, let's say, that you might employ when you are unhealthy. And then that diet, and, you know, even those the exercise and the lifestyle, all that, that all changes as your metabolism heals, as you become healthier. So all that to say, I've said it on the show before, but I, I think it bears repeating before we kind of dive into like what I do is that the diet that you follow um, when you are unhealthy, let's say, or you have a problem that you're trying to fix. So maybe it's hormones, maybe it's weight loss, uh, you know, or accumulated weight, let's say in your forties, like that was, we put an Instagram post up. It's like, Hey, we're going to do this interview. And like, what, what do you want to know? And so many women were like, I'm in my forties or I'm in, I'm in my fifties and I'm doing all the right things and I'm gaining weight. And I just don't know why, like, please help. So the, the protocols that you might follow when you are unhealthy or you have a problem to solve like unwanted weight gain or hormonal let's say derangement or whatever it is is going to be different than let's say what i'm doing now okay so i just want to say that um because what i don't want is for people to be like okay so she has a protein shake and it's like one and a half scoops and then i'm just going to go into like without any context and without any like um, understanding of like where I am. So where I used to be was very, um, for years, really like, you know, hormonal, uh, issues. I ran very estrogen dominant, uh, suffered a lot from PC, uh, or I should say PMS, uh, outlined that in my, uh, in my book, the Betty body who now has a little shelf right behind me here for you too. You can see her standing there. Uh, so, followed very much a ketogenic uh, diet uh, where I was really restricting carbohydrates because I felt very inflamed, let's say, in my luteal phase of my cycle. So after I ovulated the last two weeks of my cycle, it was very uncomfortable for me. Like rings didn't fit, uh, you know, angry, and I call them, you know, angry and swollen breasts, like very, very sensitive uh, to kind of wear t-shirts and sports bras and bras and stuff. Um and so the ketogenic diet for me was very, very helpful uh, in helping to regulate my blood sugar, uh, my overall inflammation, um, and um, and all the things that I used to suffer from. Now, I don't have that problem anymore. So um, the tendency is still there. Like I know my genetics, right? So if I'm like eating, um, you know, a certain way or I'm not lifting or I'm, I'm not employing some of the lifestyle uh, practices that I adhere to now, I certainly can slip back there. Um, but now I would say that I follow more of a, um, I guess it would be called like a balanced diet where um it's a higher protein diet and that's driven primarily from through the needs of my workout schedule i mean we just did back today and you know it's like maybe you can comment on you know my workout but like i you know i'm lifting very heavy weights um i'm approaching muscle fatigue like getting very close to muscle fatigue where my muscles are failing like i can no longer initiate a contraction 
So it's a higher protein diet. I don't know exactly my macros. Um, I used to really be very uh, diligent at, with you know carb and calorie counting, but if I could guess, I'm probably having somewhere around probably seventeen to eighteen hundred calories um, a day, maybe a hundred and thirty to one hundred and fifty grams of protein, approximately. Uh, probably about the same in carbohydrates. Um, and then the balance of that would be fat. So somewhere between call it like 55 to 65, let's say grams of fat. And that probably works out to about 17 or 1800 calories um, daily. And that's very much in contrast to what I used to eat, which was like primarily fat. It was like an, a 70 percent fat diet and then like kind of moderate protein and like very low carbohydrates. Um, what I'm finding now with my goal, like my, my goal now in my forties is to put on, I mean, it's always been like, I've always had fitness and always had training, uh, in my life, but now it's like, all right, I'm 40. Like I want more, <laughs> like, I want to make sure that I look as you know, great as I can, certainly as I age, like that's, you know, one of the beautiful things about muscles that like, you know, really, you can really shape your body, but also more from a functional perspective, like I'm in perimenopause, you know, like just by, by virtue of my age, like I'm in my mid forties. So, um, I want to make sure that when I do reach menopause that, um, um, that it's it's easier, let's say, than someone who um, doesn't have good, uh, you know, or their blood glucose disposal isn't optimized. Maybe their liver function isn't what it should be, their gut microbiome, et cetera. So um, that's, that's like my food uh, in terms of like the overall like kind of macro split calories that I'm taking in. Um my, let me think. Uh, and I can just like, my weight is like somewhere around like 130, like last time I weighed is like 133. So if that gives you any context, like I usually have about as much protein as my weight, right? So I'm 133. I probably have somewhere between 130 and hundred, I think I said 150, uh, gram, like leg day, I have more protein, uh, you know, back day, it's like kind of closer to 130, let's say. So, uh, there's that. And then what I'll do, what I used to do was I used to fast every single day for like 16 hours. Uh, and then I'd have an eight hour eating window. Um, and what I found was that was way too aggressive for me. Um, so, and then it was also, I would also try to wait until lunchtime. So I would wake up and I would work out and I'd be like, no, I'm not going to eat. I'm just going to wait because my fasting windows, eight hours. So I, or my eating windows, eight hours. So I will eat at noon. And I found that that was too much for me. So I started shifting my eating window earlier in the day. So now I will work out, you know, we work out pretty early in the morning. Jeej, uh, what would you say? Like we're probably at the gym, like 5.30, 5.45-ish. We get there any time between 5.30 and 6. Yeah. Like, yeah. So any time between 5.30 and 6. So we're home at about 8. Well, let me think about that. So, like 7.30, we're about, we're home. And then I, like when we get home, I eat something. So, um, you know, if you're talking in fasting terms, like I'm breaking my fast, 
when I get home and that's with some protein and some carbohydrates. So it might be a scoop and a half, as I mentioned before, it's like a scoop and a half of protein. Like each of my scoops of protein uh, is 25 grams of uh, carbohydrates. I want a little bit more than that. Um, so I'll do a scoop and a half, which brings me approximately to 35, you know, 37 ish, uh, grams. And then I'll have some oats or I'll have, you know, some, some like kind of carbohydrate, um, uh, that pairs with that. So that's kind of like my post-workout and then breakfast favorite, you know what my favorite breakfast is. I love it. It's like eggs. I put, uh, some cheese, I wrap it in a tortilla. I put some salsa on it. That's my little, uh, habanero, you know, like thing that I like to do with it. Uh, and I'll have like some fruit um, with it. So like whatever we get delivery from like a farm. So maybe it's pears, maybe it's blueberries, maybe like whatever, whatever they've like delivered is is usually what what I have with it. Lunch is, um, it varies. It can be, uh, you know, chicken breast, chicken thigh, ground beef, fish, like kind of whatever is there uh, with a side of, kind of a slow releasing carbohydrate. So that might be, um, you know, like a sweet potato. It could be, uh, it could, I have rice. I had rice today. Um, trying to think of what other, and then like some vegetables. So it like might be broccoli or it might be, uh, tomatoes with garlic. It could be gosh, like corn. It could be parsnips, beets, like what, what kind of, I'm always, it's like protein, veg, and then, uh, and then a carbohydrate and then dinner is kind of the same, like kind of the same deal as, um, same deal as lunch. You mentioned the gym and training. And one thing I want to share that I am always in awe when it comes to you is that you can get yourself past the sticking point there. I, I find that especially let's say with weights or, or training, we all have our comfort zone and then the growth happens outside of your comfort zone in in the discomfort zone. And often people will need a personal trainer or someone else pushing them through and you can do it yourself. So I, I want to talk about, first of all, your, your mindset while you're training and what, what is happening in your brain while you're working out that allows that to happen. Oh, good question. Uh, well, I think, um, I think there's a couple of things and this is going to get into like maybe something I wasn't planning on getting into, but I think it's relevant uh, to kind of explain it. But I think that I have a lot of, I just naturally have a lot of discipline. Um, and that comes from um, maybe growing up, let's say in a bit more of an unstable uh, an environment where I felt like a lot of times things were like out of my control. So I would try to control the things that I could. So that ended up translating for me into like good grades. Like I could always get good grades, like irrespective of what was, of, you know, of what was happening in like my home life, let's say um, I could, I could get A's and I could control that. Um, so I think that I, um, kind of from a young age, uh, learned the value of discipline. And then that's kind of what got me through, uh, my professional schooling. It got me through university, through chiropractic school, um, starting a business, you know, like all, all the things, uh, you know, like I've also competed, um, in fitness. So I also know, 
you know, like how mentally and and physically exhausting that can be as well. Um, so I guess when I'm lifting weights, I'm trying to push the limits of my matter, if that makes sense. Um, so for example, today I'll use today as an example, cause it's like recent, we went to the gym and today for me, it was like a back day. So, um, you know, like pull-ups and rows and, uh, you know, barbell rows and all, all the, all the kind of things. So kind of right before I'm lifting, like right before I'm, I'm about to do the set, like I'm kind of talking to myself a little bit and I'm like, okay, so you're going to do this and you're going to, uh, you're going to do this. Like, like my goal is like eight times. If you get to eight, great. Anything like six to eight would be good. You know, eight to 10 is like even better. Um, and then when I'm doing the set, I am completely not in my brain. Like I'm not thinking at all. Like I'm completely in the muscle. Um, and this is, um, maybe from my training as a chiropractor, like I, when I was, when I was caring for a patient, like my mind was in my hands, if that makes any sense at all. Like I was kind of scanning the, like the nervous system scanning, you know, like the tension and tone, let's say of the musculoskeletal system, seeing if there's like hypertonia, hypotonia, atone, like, you know, any kind of change, let's say, uh, in a person's spine or knee or like wherever it was that I was examining. So I developed that ability through my profession and my professional career to get out of my head and get into my body. So like every day for 16 years, my mind was in my hands. Um, so I'm able to get my mind in, in, in today's session. My mind was in my back. It was like, where are my rhomboids? Where are my lats? Where are you posterior delts? Are you there? You know, like <laughs> traps, lower and mid. Let's like, you know, let's, it's like a symphony, right? It's like, here are all the, you know, the different layers of the muscle, the rectus spinae, like what's going on. So I'm kind of like almost there when I'm doing it. And then evaluating after each repetition, like how many more do I have? Um, so that, and that's actually how I get very close to failure. It's like, okay, I'm at eight now. Uh, I said I was going to do eight, but I still have more. So can I do one more? Yes. And then I'll do one more. Okay. And it's like the same question. Can I do one more? Yes, I can do one more. Can I do one more? No. You know, so then, and then I'll like finish the set off at 10 or whatever it is. Um, and then the other thing I'll, I've started doing recently is just kind of doing partial reps as well. So maybe I'm at nine and I wanted to, I don't know, do 12 or I wanted to do 10, um, and I know I can't do 10, but I'll just kind of do whatever I can. Like, I don't have the full range of motion, but I'll have like a partial rep. Like I'll have partial movement before it like kind of fails. So I'll go to kind of go to failure that way too. I, I feel that today, knowing you for past seven, eight years today, you look the best that you've ever looked. Aww, and I think thanks, a lot of it is because of these routines and rituals and you, mentioned you lift heavy and i have a feeling a lot of people listening especially women listening will think i can't do that i'm afraid to build too much muscle or build bulk or look like a man or whatever the thing is is happening in in their head yeah can, can you speak to that because i feel like it's such a big fallacy it and is the, a big the fallacy. Of, of lifting heavy for women especially in their 40s and 50s yeah yeah it is it is a big fallacy and 
uh, I hear it all the time. Like, I think if you go, like, we'll put the link for the Instagram post, like in the show notes, so people can kind of see what some of the comments were. But I actually think that there was a comment there saying, like, hey, how do you not get bulky? Like, I want to put on weight, but I don't want to, I want to lift weights, but I don't want to get bulky. And I think for the majority of women, um, it's, it's very difficult to do that. Like, I think it is possible for kind of a genetics, genetically blessed, let's say, uh, or, you know, freaks maybe, uh, depending on how you want to look at them. Like there is a kind of a subset of women who are very much androgen dominant. Like they have, um, much more conversion into, uh, testosterone and then, uh, you know, dihydrotestosterone, which is kind of like super testosterone, uh, which is obviously going to drive a lot of muscle mass. Like there are some women who are like that, uh, naturally. Um, and certainly I think that, um, if you, uh, so, so there's kind of that, there's that type of woman, but I would say that you would probably know if you're that woman already because your whole life, and we had a conversation, uh, with Kashif Khan on the show. Uh, we'll put a link for that. Uh, we were talking about like androgen dominant, like this is the woman who, you know, through her, let's say teens and twenties and thirties, you know, always was very lean, always had a six pack, could have like the chips and the crackers and the, you know, whatever like foods in excess and never really lose that. Um, so if you're that person, sure. Like you can totally, like women totally can get bulky. Um, but for the majority of women, um, you will not have that kind of, we'll say genetic, uh, like preference, right? Cause your genes are also not your destiny. So even those women, um, there's like ways that we can kind of, uh, manipulate the fitness program for them so that they don't actually get bulky. Um, but for the majority of us we're at, and that's like myself included, uh, we convert a lot of that testosterone into estrogen, right? It, like we have that aromatase, um, activity and then like estrogen is uh estrogen is, is is made so um an estrogen in in and of itself is also an anabolic hormone it's like a growth hormone it it drives cell proliferation um but i think uh it's very very difficult for 95% of women to do it and even for the women who are genetically blessed, like you have to work for many, many years, possibly decades in order to bulk, right? right? Like there's certain, um, you know, you can certainly like make a lot of, and I'm not, not suggesting that you can't make any gains in a year. Of course you make like huge gains over the course of a year. Right. But when you've been doing it for five years, 10 years, like, you know, it's compared to when you first started lifting. Like if I look back into like the first like year or two of lifting. Like I was making crazy gains. Like I was making like a hundred percent gains in some, in some, like now it's like I move up by like five pounds, maybe 10 pounds, maybe like depending on the, you know, the muscle group or whatever. So like my gains in terms of like progressive overload, like being able to increase the weight is kind of pant is like slowing down now. So I have to, and, and that's kind of another thing I'll, I'll say too, is like, you can't just only 
progressively overload to infinite. Like you can't just add weight infinitely, right? Like there's going to be kind of like a max that we all reach. So you have to kind of play with other variables like volume and rest time and partial reps, which is what I'm playing with a little bit now. Like I can't do the full rep, but can I just kind of do a half one because I can still get something out? Like there are other ways to continually like stimulate, uh, mechanically stimulate the system. Um, But I would say for the most part, most women very, very difficult to get bulky. And if you do notice that you are bulking, right? Like, let's say you're like, God, like, um, I don't know, like my legs are getting too thick or my shoulders are getting too whatever. Then you, all you have to do is just like kind of trim that back, right? Like you just have to dial down that training. Um, you know, I've never had somebody I've I've started getting some like some comments on Instagram like wow I don't think I could ever actually like look like that like that start starting to look a little bit you know whatever but like for the most part like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of women are like I love your arms I love your legs I love your shape like tell me what you do um, and I've had like the odd like yeah you look like a man and it's like okay. <laughs> like you know it's fine you can also think that too i find you attractive oh well that's all that's that's what matters <laughs> speaking of attractive uh we were at the gym a couple of weekends ago with our friend tasha and in that conversation when we first got there you super quickly mentioned your age and it almost like she she was almost in she shock processed it. she was like yeah. Okay. And she came back to it. Like, she's like, wait a minute, what, how old are you? What did you just say? <laughs> so, uh, I, I know for-, for the record 45. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's start with, um, have you had any work done? <laughs> uh, no, no. Like I know you haven't my face. Yeah. This is my face. This is my body. Yeah. So let's talk about the secrets. How do you maintain your face? and skin and maybe hair. I have a feeling that a lot of women are going to ask. Yeah, I get get asked skin and hair a lot. Yeah. So, and I actually really love talking about this because this is something that I didn't pay attention to forever. Um, Like I actually never put makeup on. I never kind of got dolled up. And then there was kind of this point where I was like, oh no, it's like, you don't have to, like hide that part of you because I always thought like, Oh, like, you know, fashion and makeup and it's like, so silly. It's like, you know, if I ever, if those are important to me that I'm not a serious person, you know, like I'm not, I'm not a doctor worth herself. Like I need to be only focused on like papers and meta-analyses and technique. You know, when I was in practice, it was like, I need to master chiropractic technique. Like I'm a bone moving bitch. Like I need to, like, I need to be the best chiropractor in the city. Like that's kind of where my focus was. Um, and then it kind of changed, um, where I was like, no, it's okay. It's okay to actually like this stuff because I would always watch, like, let's say on YouTube. Um, I don't, I don't watch her anymore, but I used to like, she, this girl taught me how to contour. Her name was Carly. I think it's Bible. Like I forget how, it's like B, I want to say it's B-Y-B-E-L. I'll find her and I'll put her in the links. But I would watch like these makeup videos of her getting ready. And I'm like, oh my God, that's how you contour. So like I learned how to do makeup from watching like YouTube videos. And I would still argue that certainly I have a lot to learn with that. Um, 
But my, like, let's say beauty secrets, um, I try to, uh, if you can call them secrets, I don't know, but I, I try to use, um, uh, as we'll say low tox products as I can. Like I have Mac makeup. I have like all of the kind of super toxic stuff too. <laughs> I've been trying to slowly, uh, slowly change to have, um, uh, slowly change to have uh, kind of cleaner stuff in terms of skincare. I mean, you know this, I wash my face off with uh, olive oil or oil every night. It's like my favorite makeup remover ever. And I actually learned that from my grandmother. My grandmother moisturized her body with olive oil. Uh, she would wash her face uh, with olive oil. And then, um, so I learned that from her. So I have like kind of olive oil that I will put on my face. It actually is the best Ladies, if you have mascara on, like forget the, like I used to put like makeup, eye makeup remover in like a cotton ball and like, just like drag my eye, like, you know, like just pull on my eye. All you need to do is just rub the olive oil and that just kind of dissolves the, the mascara, uh, which I really like. And then I'll, I'm going to tell you my, my evening routine. So, uh, I know Gio, you are so interested in this, but <laughs> I, I see. Well, I see them. You know, I'm like, oh, I gotta go upstairs. It's like it's gonna take me 20 minutes in my evening routine. So, uh, so it's like oil first, and then I'll have like a kind of a gel cleanser. Um, I will um, use. Uh, I kind of cycle through a couple of different like nights. So uh, one night I'll kind of use more um, acids. So like BHA and AHA, uh, which are. Um, just kind of like designed to sort of like take off like that, that like dead layer of skin, let's say. So I, uh, I use the products that I'm currently using, uh, no affiliation, uh, there it's called Paula's choice. So, um, I actually remember her name is Paula Beguin or Begu I'm saying her name wrong, but, uh, I remember her, um, she wrote a book like several, like tw maybe 20 years ago. And it was like, don't go to the drugstore without this book. And it was like this whole like expose on like what's crap and what's amazing. So she has a uh, a skincare line now that I quite I use this BHA uh thing. One night, another night I'll just literally use like a thick moisturizer um and then I'll put Vaseline on top of that. And um I know that I'm going to get some emails I'm like how dare you use Vaseline? It's like, well, it's it really helps keep the moisture in, so I'll put like a moisturizer on um like an oil, let's say, like olive oil or I have a couple of other like serums that are just oil-based. Um couple of my favorite products are like from Living Libations. Uh, they have this Rose Glow uh, face serum. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes for that one. I use it all the time. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple, like it, they also have like a sea buckthorn oil that I really like um, as well. And then I'll put like Vaseline on top of it because it's kind of like locking it in. Um, so that's kind of like how I alternate so that my face doesn't get like too dry. Um, and in the morning, I'll put vitamin C. Um, or I'll, or I'll put retinol actually the other night is retinol. So I'll put like a retinol. And I learned that from, um, Anthony Yoon. So Anthony was like one of the first guests that we had on the show. And he said, 
there's only two things that actually have been shown to work, like retinol and vitamin C. And I was like, oh, interesting. So then I kind of went and did my own little research. So I use retinol like every other night or every third night. And then every morning I'll use vitamin C. So I'll use vitamin C, like put on my face first thing in the morning. And then if I'm, if it's going to be like a super sunny day, or I'm going to be out all day long, I'll put like a, an SPF on if I'm going to be indoors as I am a lot, um, you know, no SPF and there's no need for that. But um, yeah, that's kind of my skin routine. Um, and then I've learned how to do my makeup from YouTube. So thank you, Carly, <laughs> for your instruction, because no one taught me. I didn't like, I didn't know how to do makeup forever. Um, and then hair, what I like to do with my hair, Gio, are you like, <laughs> how are you doing right now? Are you all right? I'm good. <laughs> okay. Uh, so my hair, I actually like to oil my hair. So same kind of deal. Like I'll put either olive oil or if I have on hand, I have like jojoba oil that I'll put on my ends. <laughs> and then I'll kind of like wrap them up at night because my hair is like quite long. So when I'm if I'm tossing and turning in bed, like I like my if I don't like put my hair in like braids or I don't put it up in a bun or something like in the morning, I just look like, you know, I have like hair coming off of everywhere. So I try, I try to wrap my hair like I'll oil it and then um, I'll do maybe like a scalp mas massage and then I'll like wrap it in a bun and then I'll I'll go to sleep. So how that's kind of the extent of my hair routine right now. But yeah. How do you have time for all of these things? I, I feel like and I'm, I'm asking most of the questions I'm asking, I kind of know the answer already because I live here. Uh, but I feel like everyone listening and watching will be very curious, thinking, how, how do you have time to fit in a full-time career? And, you know, together we have three kids mm -hmm. that are uh, 17, 12, and 10, all in school, all needing support and, and little boom -booms. presence. Mm -hmm. So. What does this look like? How how do you and and I think someone might use the phrase work life balance. I don't know if I agree with the word balance, but well, I'm curious. Work, work and life, and it's like kind of the it's just a continuum, right? So, um, with the boys, um, or you know, like how do I fit in like a skin and hair routine? It's like, well, I go up like thirty minutes earlier than I would have otherwise, because if I go up 30 minutes later, then it's like 30 minutes later before I get have time to go to bed. And then we have to, I find the boys when they know that bedtime is coming, they just get so hyper, like they're running around and fighting with each other. Like, I don't know why, but it's like, oh, it's bedtime. Let's try Let's run around now. <laughs> uh, so we need to kind of like lull them into like, it takes about 45 minutes, maybe even up to an hour sometimes to kind of like settle them into settle them into bed. So I think for me, it's, it's thinking about like, what's next, right? Like, remember when we were taking salsa lessons and Alex, shout out to Toronto Dance Salsa, best salt. We have to start going back there because he's amazing. But remember he was saying when we were, I can't remember what level we were, maybe it was like salsa two or I think it was salsa two because all the like choreography was like super quick. He was like, you have to be thinking what's next. And I was like, that's a really good thing for life like that's a, like always thinking like okay what's next like what's coming up next okay so dinner is coming up next and then it's going to be uh you know packing their bags for lunches or whatever for tomorrow and then it's going to be going upstairs and doing my hair routine and then it's going to be settling them in for their bedtime or whatever so i think kind of thinking about what's next and staying on top of that has really helped me because then i sort of always have um 
a plan for what's coming. Like it doesn't just show up and I'm like, oh crap, I'm not ready for this now. Um, the boys, I really prioritize time with them. Um, so like when, you know, they, and they spend some time with their father as well. Right. So like when they're with their dad, um, those are the nights where I spend, like I work late. Right. So I work really late on the nights that they spend with their father. And then when they're here, then I try to stop working at about three o'clock, which is when um, I go and pick them up and then, you know, we have snacks and then we do homework together. And then we like one of the things that um, I've loved that we've actually started doing um, is doing like board game nights with them. Um, and we do like movie nights with them. And we have these like games that uh, that we like questions that we ask at dinner time, like that that little deck of cards that we have that we kind of shuffle through and ask Um which is great because it gets them off of their devices, which I don't know. I know it's just not our kids, but like if we don't, if we let them kind of do their thing that they're just going to be on discord, they're going to be on Roblox. They're going to be on all these little like things that they do. So I would rather spend like time with them. I bought um, our little one, uh, the uh, Jocko Willink uh, series of books for Christmas. Like we're going to start reading those now uh, together like the warrior's way is the, is the series of books. So, um, I think yeah, there's I'm, just, a, I'm, there's I'm a lot. thinking ahead. Yeah. I think that's like the short answer. There's a lot that we do that people may be surprised at, uh, for example. And it, I think it comes down to our values and our, uh, the code of the house, but one of them is no devices at the table for all of us, including me and you, because yep. we used to, we used to have our phones and check emails or yeah. be distracted and not be present. So we we've, prioritized mealtime and especially dinner and we have the ritual of, of doing gratitude asking the kids and we'll go around the table sharing something that we're grateful for and then we bought those cards where do you want to share one of the questions as an example of for context of what's those cards are i think of what we're i picked four last night i'm trying to think of the ones that i chose it was um what would you like to do more as a family that was one of them. Uh, what would you like to do less as a family? Um, three words that describe our family, um, which was a fun one. Um, they're, they're conversation starters yeah. that create beautiful discussion at the table where we're all present with each other. And I think that in and of itself has been a game changer uh, and having ritual that we follow and they follow at the same time. And um, speaking of that, there was this a question, a actually, I'll share this one because I really love this one because this one was the one that kind of sparked that big conversation that we had. It was like, would you rather be the smartest or dumbest person in the room? Remember right. that one when we asked that and they're like, whoa. And then we had this like really awesome conversation about it. Yeah. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction with the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna. It's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving 
achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. I want to talk about another important factor of of food, which is that we all eat the same thing. And yes, yeah, yeah. When, when you and I met, um, and my son Michael was, I think, ten or eleven at the time. His diet, in quotes, was anything gold, gold or brown. So bread, hamburgers, cheese, toast, right. cereals, fries, mm-hmm. uh, nothing colorful. Nutella. Yeah, Nutella. Mm-hmm. Now. He's eating broccoli and cauliflower and green beans and uh, all sorts of vegetables and a variety of food. And we all eat the same. Mm-hmm. And I think, I know, I'm sure there's a lot of parents where there's a lot of stress and overwhelm. And one of those stressors could be that the children want to eat different. Or they might think, well, I can't do Dr. Stephanie's protocols because now I have to cook different for me than my right. the rest of the family. Right. So how is it that? all of us eat the same. And what did you do for Michael that allowed him to want vegetables? Well, I think uh, there's a couple of things. One, I was a hard ass about it. <laughs> so that was uh, maybe a bit more uh, difficult. It was like, this is the food that we have. You don't get to go into the pantry. You know, the kitchen is closed after dinner. Like there's no more going into the fridge or whatever. Uh, We stopped ordering in because he would only eat kind of like a certain burger from a certain place, uh, like loved Costco burgers or whatever. And um, so part of it was just like taking away his access and saying like, this is what's available. And then his age, you know, being at at the time, like, you know, 10 or 11, like we started talking to him about why it's why it's important to eat this way like what's going to happen to his brain when he has uh you know vegetables let's say what's going to happen because he also you know not to kind of get into all of his health issues like he's had some health challenges but like you know gut and like digestion has kind of been like an as you might imagine as you might you know kind of logically conclude if you're only eating foods that are white and brown you know some issues with gut you know, like lots of, uh, let's say, you know, issues going to the bathroom and that kind of stuff. So explaining to him what fiber is, why fiber is important, uh, how that can help with like certain, you know, problems that he might be having, how his gut is really connected to his brain. And then like, as he got older, like making those conversations a little bit more sophisticated. So giving him a little bit more detail about the importance of greens and what greens help the liver do, you know, and that, and like the gut microbiome and like when there's roughage, like when you have kale or when you have, you know, greens, it kind of cleans the, you know, sort of sweeps through the intestines as it, as it's being processed, et cetera. So it's, I think for, um, our children, at least giving them the why behind it has been incredibly useful because they're very, um, I think all kids are kind of curious. Like, I think it's, it's, um, it's more interesting to them, like 
for you to tell them why they should be eating it. And the the reason is like beyond, well, it's because I said so, that's why you (laughs) should eat it. You know, like that's not, like, I don't think that's a compelling enough reason, at least for our children. So for Michael, I know that that was very helpful. And then as now we have a 12 and a a 10 year old and they're asking kind of the same questions, right? Like I have our 10 year old is like, well, is this good for me or is this bad for me? Is this going to help my blood sugar? Is it going to, and you know, we kind of talk about this idea of like, having protein first, right? And why is having protein first important? Well, because it helps to keep you fuller. It helps to slow trend. It helps to slow kind of, uh, you know, that blood sugar rise and all, all the, all the, all the things, right? So it's always like, you can have your carbohydrates, like you can totally have the carbs, but you can have them after you have your, um, protein and at least my 10 year old, and it might just be his age, but he seems to be a carb monster, like just wants all the carbs all the time. And it's like, you can totally have them, buddy, but you got to rack up those protein points first. I want to get a bit more personal. First of all, people- by the way, I should also say that I have no idea what you're going to ask me. Like we've, like we've seen some of the comments on Instagram. So I kind of have an idea of like some of the questions, but like you've told me, you're like, no, we'll just get on and record. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> for someone who loves prep, I know this is this is outside of your comfort zone, which will be a future question about comfort zones. But yeah, uh, right. people, I, I know people see you as a a professional, uh, uh, a doctor, uh, a scientist, an expert, often quite serious. And I'm not sure if serious is the right word. And I know the other side of you, which is extremely playful and fun. Mm-hmm. And I want people to know that side. Uh, so I'll start with asking, who are Kate and Veronique? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kate. Um, so these are like alter egos. <laughs> I can't believe you asked this question. Uh, so these are like just accents. Um, you know, Kate is from, you know, she's from Buckingham and she's very posh and she loves to shop. And well, can like I, the- can I, I apologize for cutting you off. I just want to explain this. So <laughs> we, we love going on dates and we prioritize date nights and, and, and our relationship. And sometimes for fun, we'll go out to a restaurant <laughs> and you, stay in character as one of these women so the waitress or waiter thinks that you're british or french so can you can you be kate for a second yeah yeah. (laughs) yes like now i'm now i'm like oh no i'm under pressure i can't do it um yeah no so i'll i'll like be kate or you know veronique who's uh she has to think about uh the word uh cannot remember the word in english but uh you know something like this and you know so veronique is my french um uh alter ego and um you know and i have you know i have like a profound love for languages so i love to um I love to, love to, uh, like learn. I want to like improve my French. Like I used to live in, in Quebec for many years. So I have like, um, I'm pretty already a pretty good understanding of it, but I really want, um, like to be like fluent. Like if I had to take the back or like if I had to take a back or something, I could get my, like my proficiency in it. So, um, yeah. So Kate and Kate and Veronique are my, um, English and French, um, alter eagles. (laughs) I want to give a shout out, uh, and they're not a, a sponsor of the show. Maybe they should be, but give, give a shout out to Duolingo because 
Duolingo You've, should be a damn sponsor of this show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For anyone who doesn't know what the app is, can you share? Because you're such a huge fan. And now the whole family is on this app and you've probably, anyone you know in person, you've told about. Oh, I love Duolingo. It's basically, you can learn any language. So I, um, and this is like, obviously like spot, like no affiliation, just absolutely love what they're doing. So you can actually just join for free. Like you don't even have to, like I have a paid membership because I add my family on there and then my kids and you and I are learning uh, different languages, but you can totally just join for free. And like they've figured out a way, like they're brilliant to gamify language, right? So like they'll, it's like a fill in the blank or you have to speak um, or they'll ask you a, a question in English and then you have, or like they'll put a statement in English and you have to translate it into French. And then it kind of gets harder as you go through like the lesson, the individual lesson. And then overall, uh, it kind of gets obviously harder as you kind of progress through the entire course. So um, yeah, I love, love, love it. Um, I currently have... Um, French, I'm uh, probably like 60% of the way through the course. So going through French, uh, I also want to get to uh, kind of like in the intermediate Italian and Portuguese this year. Uh, I also have Arabic. I'm currently learning the Arabic alphabet. And then I have Greek on there just for fun. Like when I want, like to just if I don't want to, I just play out with the Greek. Uh, as well, just because I had my ex-husband and his family are Greek and I spent a lot of time um, learning Greek. So I just kind of want to maintain, maintain like what I've, what I've learned for my boys. And, you know, also just to speak, like I still speak to his family. So it's just nice to be able to talk to them. Now back to date nights and, and our relationship, why is it important to prioritize connection? And how, what are the things that you and I do that have become ritual with respect to not just being in the relationship, but working on the relationship? Well, I think if you, okay. So for us, I can say that what I've noticed is that when we, cause we're not always perfect. Like let's just call a spade a spade. Like there are times where we forget, like we're, we're so busy. Like we've had a, like, for example, like the past, you know, last quarter of last year, we were very, very busy. There was like a really big, like we had a huge turnover uh, in the company. We were kind of changing things and like up leveling um, many things um, on both your and my side of things. And so we were very busy. And so there were like a lot of weeks where we weren't actually going out and we're doing things. And what I notice is, and of course it always happens when we're like super stressed. So it like compounds it. But when we don't make that time, for going out for dinner. I actually, I don't know, I don't know why this happens, but I actually want it less. Right. So I, I, I'm like, oh, we don't need to go out. Like it's not important. Or, oh, we don't need to like connect. We don't need to have sex. Like those things are not important until we do go out or until we do connect. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so important. Like it's almost like, and I don't, I think that this is, so I haven't confirmed this yet, but I've spoken to enough women where I think this is like a female thing where if we don't get something like, let's say sex or connection or date night or whatever, it's like, we almost like turn off our need for it. Whereas I don't actually think that that happens in men, like men, 
you know, men have like, you know, a different hormonal composition, let's say different needs, like want to be connecting all the time. So what I notice is when we don't do those things, when we don't prioritize, it's very easy for me to be like, oh, that's not really important. Like, you know, oh, I don't want to spend the money on dinner. And like, I got to spend 45 minutes choosing an outfit and getting my makeup on. Like, why don't we just stay in and order in and I'll just stay in my pajamas and I'll wear my house slippers and, you know, and I'll do, you know, I'll do my nails or something. Right. And it's like, well, no, let's not do that. Let's actually like go out and have a proper dinner or go dancing or go watch a movie or whatever it is, or meet and connect with other people. And every time that we do that, I'm like, oh my God, I, why did we, why did I even get into that mindset of like, oh, I don't need this. Oh, this isn't important. Uh, I would even say the same is true for like sex. Like if it's like, if there's been like, kind of like a, you know, like a little dress bill, it's like, you sort of think like, oh, like, at least I think I'm like, oh, like, it's not so important. I don't really like, and then, and then you have it, you, you experience it and you're like, damn, like this is real important. That's really important. So I think that's why it's so important. It's kind of like um use it or lose it, right? Like if you if you are not if you're not connecting, then you almost like lose the connection. And I think that um being in a loving, connected, nurturing relationship requires work in the same way that if you want to build a body, right? You want to build muscle. It's like, you can't just like wish for it to happen. You have to get to work. You have to go to the gym and you have to lift heavy weights. And the same is true in a relationship. Like if you want a loving relationship, you have to work on it and not only on it, but on yourself, because there's nothing like a relationship to bring out your childhood trauma. (laughs) You know, there's nothing like an intimate relationship, whether it's like a parent child relationship um or you know an, an intimate relationship at least that's been my experience so i can only talk about my experience but i feel like there's been times where i've been so activated let's say um and it's like oh okay i have some work that i need to do here like i need to like really heal this story that i have that you know, you're going to get bored of me and you're going to leave me. And like that, like, that's my story. It's like, he's going to like wake up one day and be like, meh, she's all right. You know, like she's 45. I could probably trade her in for a 20 and a 25 year old, you know, (laughs) the following opinions expressed are not those of the interviewer. (laughs) I, yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. I, I think well, and, like when- it's, and it's like you hear, you know, you even like like your parents, for example, they'll be like, you know, like, oh, you're oh, you're 70 now. Like, I'll just trade you in for two 35 year olds, right? And like that's like, even though it's a joke, I'm like, oh my God, that's like my worst fear. Like it's like actually my worst fear. So uh I think that you need like for me anyway, like there needs to be, and we've talked about this, like, you know, kind of in our own like intimately or whatever, but like love is a verb, right? It's like, it's an action item. It's not something that you're not just going to like fall into an amazing relationship that you never have to work on. You know, it's like, you have to work and you have to work on like, at least for me, I have to work on myself too. The work though, the input of the work has an amazing output and it's like working out where the more you do it, the more you don't have to, even though it's, it's uh, like you build momentum so that it becomes easier and it's an investment so the i think there's a lot of misbeliefs that people have for example i'll I'll give the first one we talked about uh if women lift heavy they'll be bulky Um, another misconception i think is that 
or maybe just a weird belief that's been taught through generations is that the longer you're in a relationship, the more you become roommates. Oh my God. I hate that one. And I think that it's, I it's hate that one. bullshit that it actually gets better. Sex gets better, but you have to prioritize it. And, and even schedule it. And you know, I, someone, a mentor of mine said, whatever your priority is, is based on your calendar. So if, if you say something is important to you, but it's not on your calendar, then chances are it might not be. And I think people might assume or, or believe that scheduling date nights or scheduling even sex isn't sexy, but creating the, the, the container and the space for it to happen actually makes the sex better because you can anticipate it and it's exciting. And same with with any kind of experiences like we you and i love experiential dates the kinds of things that you might buy a ticket to watch or, or participate in um because we love experiences we love collecting memories yeah. you know one of the you uh, a few weeks ago said something so profound about us in terms of what we value and the the phrase was we love turning dreams into memories mm-hmm. and part of that is in collecting experiences and i think it's the same with the relationship and for anyone watching or listening, schedule it, like block off the time for the things that have to be important, whether it's your relationship, whether it's your self-care or or recharging time or free time or non-work time or play time. And that leads me to my next theme, which is play, play and pleasure and desire, which may feel like dirty or naughty words to people, but I, I don't think they are. And what is your definition of desire? Can I just say, you're so well prepared for this interview. You're like, this breeze lends me to my next topic. I'm like, wow, he's really- Hey, I have to up-level my interview skills if, if I'm <laughs> interviewing the interview master. <laughs> I, uh, I just want to say one thing about what you said before about love, and then we'll talk about pleasure. Like, one of the things that I hate, if there's something that like, if there's like a trigger that I have, it's this idea of like sliding into mediocrity with, I mean, with, with like anything in life, like anything um, in life. I remember one of my mentors, I was actually just saying this the other day. Um, one of my mentors um, said, you know, the only way to cruise is downhill. <laughs> and man, that just really stuck with me. And I think that that's so true, even like with relationships, like pardon my French, like Veronique might come out here right now to say that, like, fuck that, like, <laughs> fuck that, like you, we become roommates. Like I want our love, like our finances to like compound, right? Over time. Like think about it, like the stock market, it's like, I want like an eight to 10% return every year. So that over the course of like 40 years, you, you, you know, the amount that you started with and the amount that you end up with is like an exponential, like orders of magnitude more. Like, I love this idea of creating, uh, and it takes work, not saying this, like whatever, but again, this idea of like turning a dream, like a dream of mine is to have like, to create a legendary love, like a love for the ages, right. Where, you know, my, our children will talk about how their parents, right, uh, interacted with each other. And that's going to inform the way that they interact with their future wives. And then, like, I, I want that to kind of, 
I like, I want that legendary love. Like I want, and I'm, I'm, you know, willing to put in like the hard work to kind of work on myself and be able to, cause part of like, I think a really big part of love and, and having love is to kind of, and having that legendary love is like minimizing residue, right. And minimizing this, uh, you know, like just stuff happens over time, right? Like you get into arguments, you get into a little tick here and a little tiff there. And like, you don't talk about it. And then there's this like residue, this film on your love, let's say on your union that kind of like grows and then it becomes just like this biofilm, you know, <laughs> like on your, like it just becomes this like film on your love. And then you no longer, you like forget, you know, like, and I, you know, it, I've seen this so many, like you just, there's so many like aunts and uncles and family members where we're like, God, like, why are you together? Like you hate each other, uh, where you can't even remember, you know, why you're with that individual. And it's like, there was a reason why you were attracted to them. Maybe it's like to heal some childhood wound or like you would, you know, whatever, but like, there was a reason why you were attracted to this person. And I don't ever want to forget that. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to, I just felt like kind of compelled to share that because I feel very strongly that in all aspects of my life, like excellence is a, is a core value. And I want to be really proud of our relationship. And that means oftentimes it's the conflict piece. Like, you know, I'll, 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 I'll also say this and like, we're, we're going to get an E on this for sure. Like on this podcast episode, it's going to be a little E for explicit, but like, ladies, listen to your body. Like, d- like when you see your man, let's say, like you should get wet. Like you should be like really excited, like to see him or, you know, like I was looking at you, like when I went to the change room and like, remember today when I uh, like finished my bat, like we like split up, obviously went to the change room, like change, whatever. And then I saw you and I was like, oh my God, he's so fucking hot. Like it was like, uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, oh, is it hot in here? Or is it just me? You know, it's like, Dear Lord, I just saw him pass me a fan. You know, like I, I feel like, you know, it's important to like really remember that, like physically, like what you are physically attracted to. And the other piece is like conflict, like the conflict piece, which I will admittedly say, maybe I'm not the best at yet, but you're very patient with me. So I really appreciate that. Well, you're very welcome. <laughs> we we started this conversation sharing the catalyst for the conversation was this morning at, at the gym uh, or the other morning at the gym where you taught me something and it blew my mind. And you do this to me all the time where something happens in conversation and then you say, oh, you know what? How about blah, 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 blah. And then you blow my mind. So I, I want to make <laughs> exactly sure we cover it. Just in that way. Like, what about blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, this morning you said that... Uh, the lungs are the body's biggest fat loss organ. Mm -hmm. And just walking out of the gym, going through the lobby, and I had to just stop walking and say, what, what did you just say? Mm -hmm. So can you first, can you explain what that means? And maybe we'll do some super quick lessons of the things you've taught me. Oh, sure. Yeah. I I mean, it was just, um, you know, like when we are utilizing fat for energy, right? So um, whether that's stored fat, you know, like the stored version, like the way we store fat, like when we eat too much, like, like when we, when we eat in excess, let's say your body will store that for a rainy day. And so it'll store it primarily in the adipocyte and it will like in the fat cell and it'll store it as a triglyceride. 
And triglycerides are basically made up of like uh, carbon, oxygen, hydrogen. So when you are utilizing fat, let's say you're exercising, uh, maybe you are lifting weights or, uh, you know, you're doing whatever, whatever exercise you're doing, um, you will, and you're using fat. So the conditions are, uh, are set for you to utilize your fat storage. So it will pull the triglyceride from the fat cell and then it'll kind of break the triglyceride down. And it appears that about a fifth of the triglyceride, like the triglycerides actually turned into water. So, you'll, you know, excrete that through, uh, what's called like the amunctories. So things like, you know, you'll sweat, like it's like turn into water. So however we get rid of water, we sweat it out, we pee it out, we poop it out. Um, we breathe it out as well. And then it looks like the other kind of 80%, let's say, or four fifths of that is actually, um, uh, exhaled, uh, as carbon dioxide. So that's why, um, when we look at like some of the breath analyzers, let's say like Lumen, for example, one of the sponsors of the show, what, what they're looking at, like when you breathe into that uh, little thing, is they're like, how much carbon dioxide is she exhaling? Because that'll give them an indication of whether you're in fat burning, like how much fat burning you're doing. Um, so that's, that's what I was saying. Like your lungs are your prime. Cause when you like, people think like, oh, when I, you know, when I lose weight, like my fat, like I use up my fat, it's like, well, where does the fat go? Right. So the triglyceride is broken down. Part of it is excreted through water. And then like the majority of it is actually breathe, like it's exhaled. So, um, and that actually explains like why you're, when you're exercising, why your breath, like why your respiratory rate increases, right? Is because you're increasing your fat burst, bur uh, you know, your fat burning um, capacity. So that's, that's what I was saying. I have like some of the, uh, I was actually talking to um, uh, Jocelyn, who's, uh, who's on our team. Um, and I was saying to her, like, I say the craziest things to you in the morning. Like the other day, I, I we haven't, you and I haven't talked about this, but do you remember the other day? And I was like, you know, you die, you, you die two times and you're like, what? And I'm like the first time that you die. And this is like, like five, like, so everyone listen, this is like at five 30 in the morning where we're just like, <laughs> we're just like going to the gym, getting ready to like lift some weights or whatever. And I was like, you die twice in your life, Gio. The first time that you die is like when your physical body dies. And then the second time that you die is the last time that someone uses your name. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, what? <laughs> You're like, I haven't even had coffee yet. Like what, like, <laughs> what are we talking about? And then, so my, like at the point I was, I was talking about my grandmother and I was like, so my grandmother, uh, you know, she's still alive because I still talk about her a lot. I talk to my, uh, I talk to my kids about her. Uh, I talk about the influence that she had, like how I really admire her. And and then I was also talking about Christ, right? I was talking about like, well, can you imagine people talking about an individual, like whether or not you're Christian, whether or not like, or, you know, it, like any religion, like you could talk about Muhammad, right? Like, it's like, we're still taught, like, you know, with this individual, like with, you know, this person who we now refer to as Christ or whatever, like it's 2023 years later that we are still saying that name. And so, and then I, I guess that morning I was like contemplating my own mortality and I was contemplating like legacy and like building a legacy and like, what is that? look like and um you know because one day we're just going to be like fertilizing the daffodils um, you know fertilizer for the tulips but um well this this really got dark what were we talking about, <laughs> <laughs> we talking about? 
How do your lungs know your fat loss organs? I think your question was, what do you do for fun, Steph? <laughs> and I was like, well, you, you only died twice. <laughs> That's why I have no friends. That's Speaking of what you do for fun, uh, what would be a dream come true date for you? <laughs> a dream come true what? Date? Um, depends on the season. Uh, but I would say, because all I'm doing right now, because it's wintertime, all I'm doing is like spamming Geo with like chalets, pictures of chalets and skiing. So I would say that uh, in the wintertime, I, uh, I love the idea. I love the idea of like, and I'll use a French word here, like profiter. Um, on peut profiter, like we can profit from the winter. Like I think living in a, in a place that has four seasons, right? We have like fall, winter, what are the other two? Spring, summer. Like it's, <laughs> we have like, everyone's like, oh, I can't wait for summer. And like, okay, of course, summer, my favorite too. I love summertime, but I, I love summer because it's special and it's not here for a long time. And in the same way, you know, my grandmother used to say two shakes of a lamb's tail in two shakes of a lamb's tail, like summer's done, like very quickly it's done. So I feel like winter is, is done as well, like very, very quickly, right? So in order to like not stay in for like four months, you know, to go outside and to like ski and to, you know, uh, I want to do cross-country skiing. The boys love snow tubing. The boys love skiing. Like to go and ski, I think is a lot of fun. So that's like a, like a perfect date in the winter for me it would be like, we go skiing and then there's like an après ski afterwards where maybe we have some hot, you know, some, uh, you know, hot chocolate. And then, you know, if it's just you and me, then, you know, a little bounce afterwards and like a nice chalet, <laughs> um, you know, something like that. But if it's like a day date, like I think, um, gosh, uh, something where I get dressed up. Like I like, uh, I really do enjoy the process now. Like I really embrace the process of like, you know, putting on makeup and getting dressed. And um, so that's kind of in the winter, in the summer, it's like, how can I get near the water? And is the water salty? Because the saltier the water, the happier I am, right? So in, you know, when we've traveled to Europe, when we've gone to Italy, like the, especially if you're on like the, I guess the, southwest side or area you're on the Tyrrhenian sea there very very salty water just does wonders for my body my mood my i just love it there so i want to find the water actually i want to find the water i think all year round because i want to find frozen water <laughs> in winter and i want to find liquid water um in the summer so day at the beach would be super fun being on the water like water sports would be like super fun um, I actually really like the idea also, uh, and this is more of a European thing, but like, and uh, well, there are more, there are more in North America, but I think this is more common, um, uh, in Europe, but like farmers markets and like going to find like local producers and like kind of picking like vegetables from like a really big, um, you know, like a big, you know, area like a you know where everyone every saturday like all the all the farmers come from all the rural areas into this like one locale and then you can kind of shop and do your weekly shopping there taking notes so thank you 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 said something an hour ago and you just 
this is what you do. You just say something so damn profound that I had to process it and now circle back and ask you to give detail. The phrase you said was, your genes are not your destiny. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? Uh, I mean, I, I just mean that irrespective of what your blueprint is, like we all have tendencies, right? Like there's going to be a tendency for our genes to behave a certain way. We can modify how those genes are expressed through the epigenome and through our lifestyle. So, um, for example, um, if you are someone such as myself who tends to run estrogen dominant and actually not clear estrogen well, um, like my, if I'm not sort of strategically eating the right things or fasting, like when I was kind of going on my own sort of journey, it was like the ketogenic diet, like a female centric ketogenic diet was really important. And then I was fasting at certain points in my menstrual cycle, um, especially when I was like super inflamed. So for like an estrogen dominant woman, I talk about this in my book, the Betty body, but like fasting in the luteal phase of the cycle. And then like fasting with like bone broths and like doing like having like things like minestrone and stuff like that, where you're getting a lot of the glycine and the uh, like amino acids that are going to help with um, gut health and gut integrity, um, which for a lot of women who are estrogen dominant, this, this is a really big, problem. So your genes are not your destiny in that uh, if you have like a certain, uh, you know, pattern, predisposition, uh, even like for like really famously, uh, what's that guy's name? Thor. What's his, uh, what's his name? Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth. Uh, you know, I think it was recently revealed that uh, he was, he had the 4-4. So like the APOE 4-4, which does significantly increase his um, um, the likelihood that he will, uh, express like, like that he has very poor processing of saturated fats, let's say. And then over the course of time, uh, you know, that Alzheimer's risk for him is significantly elevated, but like the answer is not just to lay down and die and be like, well, that's it. That's what it is. I'm a four, four, like life's over. Like there's a lot of things that you can do. Uh, like, you know, I would even say like Dr. Dale Bredesen, who has been on the show like three, I think he's been on like three times talking about how we can actually structure a certain type of ketogenic diet to help with, um, the uh, reduction of these tau tangles and these beta amyloid plaques that we see in these in these patients um with like you know a four four a three four two four like any any four in that apoe kind of combination um so yes you have there is a predisposition there and an increased risk, but it doesn't mean that it's going to happen. Um, so I think that there's um, there's a lot to say about manipulating the expression of the gene at the level of the epigenome. So just like epi means above and then like above the genome. You mentioned Chris Hemsworth and it sparked a memory because we actually met him. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to give a shout out to our friend, Garib Seamus, who's the um, founder of Comic-Con. And we were at one of his Comic-Con events in 2019, uh, got to hang out backstage, met Chris, which was unbelievable. He, he's not even, he feels like he's not genetically human. He's more superhuman. But what I want to talk about is that you're a fan, a giant fan of Captain Marvel. 
What was it like meeting Brie Larson? Because I, I was there and I saw what happened. <laughs> yeah, I was really overwhelmed. Um, I think when you, um, I, like I was crying. So like I met her and I was like, when I met her, I was like, so lovely to meet you, like blah, blah, blah. And she was so lovely. We chatted. And then, you know, and then afterwards I was just like overcome with emotion. Like I started crying. Um, and um, I think you have video of me crying. I do have video. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, you know, sometimes when we look up to people, right, like that, that movie, you know, Captain Marvel was a really, I really loved the movie. There was a couple of like lines in there that really were very meaningful to me. And I think when we look up to people, uh, let's say it's, or a character like Captain Marvel, like I look like, you know, I've said before, like, I love Wonder Woman. I love Captain Marvel. These like very strong um female figures because like didn't really have that kind of growing up even though those characters existed like there wasn't these like big motion pictures about them right like wonder woman was like a series with linda carter um but you see something in them right that you either have in you so there's like a point of relatability or um, you admire them for doing something that maybe you haven't done yet, but you would like to. Um, and I think for me, uh, you know, meeting her and just like following her, like she's very, like, even though she has this like, you know, big blockbuster, super mainstream, like incredibly intelligent, like she's incredibly intelligent and her training for the, for the, um, prepping for the movie is just very admirable like her work ethic was very admirable so i was just really happy to meet someone who i related to who i felt like i could see parts of myself in her brie but also obviously captain marvel like i saw strong parts and like there's this line in the movie where she's like I've been fighting this whole time with one hand tied behind my back. Like imagine when I'm imagine when I'm fully unleashed. And I was like, Oh my God, like that, you know, it just, it really like hit me um, because there's been many times in my life where I do feel like I've been stunted or I've been like, I've held myself back. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, what could happen, you know, when, when she said that and she kind of came to that realization in the movie, it's like, yeah, what could happen if I finally stopped staying small? If I finally stopped hiding, if I finally, you know, stopped having like stopped like self-sabotaging, like what could I possibly do? What could I possibly do? So it was, um, yeah, it was meaningful to me in that I saw a lot of I see a lot of myself in that character. So I'd like to meet her. It was like such a, such a like wonderful, tender moment for me. I think it also translates into the work you do. Um, and this will be the last question. You, you've helped uh, tens of thousands of people with through your clinical work. You've helped thousands of, of women with the Stima diet. Uh, and now a very important part of your work is helping other women who are health practitioners, coaches, doctors to uh, make a bigger impact in their work. Why, why is that so meaningful and important to you with, you know, we have the STEMA certification, you have the, the chalice coaching and mastermind group. Why is that work so meaningful and important to you? Uh, I think it's actually very similar to why I feel so connected to the Captain Marvel 
movie and why I feel so connected to Wonder Woman um, or those characters, at least, because I feel like at least in female medicine and in, in healthcare, like we're often, you know, I hear this all the time from women that are in their thirties and forties. It's like, they're told, well, this is just how it is. You know, like you just get old and you, your menstrual cycle turns into a gong show and you lose your hair and, uh, you know, you get, you know, you gain weight and that's just like how it is. Right. And there's like no guidance. It's just like, well, sorry, you know, you're kind of washed up. That's what it is. And I think that there hasn't really been any interest a lot of in, in female healthcare because a lot of it is dominate. I mean, it's getting better now, but I still feel like there's so many women that are gaslit by their practitioners, male or female practitioners. This isn't just like men are bad. Of course, obviously I have like sons and I'm, you know, I'm in a relationship. Like I love men. Um, but I think that there is kind of a, uh, like an old, like this old guard, that's like, listen to me, I'm the doctor, change into your gown before we have a discussion. So there's already an even bigger power dynamic there. Like pro tip ladies, like if you have something that you want to discuss with your your doctor and the nurse comes in and says, here's the gown change, you can say, okay, I'm going to change into this after I have my conversation with them. Because if you were in a gown with your ass hanging out of the back, you know, like, cause those gowns are not like, they're not fitted. They don't have zippers. It's like, there's like a tie and like your whole butt, you know, and your back is out. So like you can have the conversation and ask your questions to the doctor while you're fully clothed so that you don't actually feel as vulnerable as you might in a gown. Um, and I really love, I'm, I'm enamored and I continue to be enamored with this idea or this dream, which I hope to turn into a memory, uh, but I, I currently have this dream where women are actually able to make better decisions for themselves, despite what they've been told, either by the mainstream media, uh, by their kind of traditional uh, medical doctor who doesn't know any better and is just telling them that it's their fault because they don't know what to do about it. Um, and I just, I want to educate more women on on their own unique sort of physiology and how we are different than men. Um, I'm very interested in, in helping men age well, but right now I, and I've, I've been turning some of my attention to doing that because I feel like a lot of men also need a lot of help, but I think women have been so underserved for so long that, and I know that I can't do it myself, right? Like I can't just like educate, like, you know, it's, I hate when I hear people be like, I want a billion people to, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, there's only going to be a, a few, few people who can reach that many people. But the way that I want to do something like that, the way that I want to have this mass message get out is yes, through what I'm doing, uh, but I am only one person. So maybe I can train other female um, practitioners who can then train their, like who can then influence their communities. Right. And then that's how I kind of feel like I can have a bigger impact is how is, is through uh, training other doctors and other uh, health coaches around female centric principles around eating and training and uh, you know, stress management. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I want. It's still a dream, but I'm working really hard to make it a memory uh, because I want, I want, there to be a different reality for, for our beautiful girls that are coming up now that they're not just put on the pill 
or if they are put on the pill and they make the decision, let's say, to go on the pill, that they've actually been, that the, that the side effects and the possible complications have been discussed with them, right? Like they talk about like how many women, like you'll hear this all the time, like women that come off of the birth control pill, they break up with their boyfriends because they smell different to them, right? Like there's a, there, it absolutely, there's an area like there's, it's called the major histocompatibility complex. Like when we are on artificial uh, hormones like progestin, uh, it actually changes the way that we smell. So we can be attracted to a mate actually who's more genetically similar to us, which is kind of gross. Uh, but like we're attracted to men that are more genetically similar to us. So you'll hear like hundred, like I can't tell you how many times like women that are like, when I got off the pill, my partner smelled disgusting to me. Like my sense of smell absolutely changed. But no one is talking about that. No one is talking about that. So I just wish that if you know you decide to go on the pill, like love you, awesome, great, good for you. And that you can also say, and I'm aware of the risks that I'm taking. Because what's often happens so much in healthcare, but particularly with, with females, is that we marry ourselves to the promise and we divorce ourselves from the risks. It's like, yay, unprotected sex. And then like, then you want to have a baby 20 years later and you like, you can't get your period or you're not attracted to your partner anymore because they smell, they're absolutely repulsive to you. Or, you know, you've, you've, you, you've damaged your, like your lipid profile now is like so subpar that your doctor's now saying, well, you should probably be put on a statin. Like that also happens as well. Uh, there's so many things that are not discussed. And I know I'm just using like one example, like the pill, but it's like one that a lot of, a lot of women come into contact with. Like at, when we're teenagers, like our moms like marches down to the, you know, to the medical doctor and say, you know, she's sexually active. So let's put her on the pill or, uh, you know, perimenopausal women. How many times, how many times do we, I hear like a 50 year old woman who's like now getting acne, let's say, and they're like, you know what you should go on? You should go on the pill. And it's like, the bitch is not menstruating anymore. Like, why are you putting her on the pill? Like, pardon my French, but like, why? Like, or like she's 55 or whatever. And they put her on the pill. Like, why would you do that? What is the decision tree? And like, I don't fault, I don't fault the medical doctor uh, entirely because that's what they know. Like they're just doing what they know. Um, I guess what I'm, I'm offering is like the red pill. It's like, you know, totally, you can totally, you know, you can totally have the blue pill if you like, but you know, you come over here to, uh, Stephlandia and like, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the red pill. It's the red pill. Yeah. So if any, women who are practitioners or coaches or doctors want to be mentored by you with the esteem of certification or chalice. Can we put the links in the show notes? Yeah. Yeah. We'll put those in the yeah. show notes for sure. Yes. Well, thank you we for being on my show. Did we get to all the questions? <laughs> I, I think 25% of them. I think we have to do another. Oh God. Okay. We got to do another one. Yeah. So you know what I would love? Um, this is the Easter egg for those of you that are still listening. Um, I would love for you to put in the comments in YouTube. Cause I personally go through like the number one rule, obviously in it, I break all the time is like the number one rule of the, on, of the online world is don't read the comments. I read all the comments still. Um, so I would love for you to put in the comments, if you enjoyed this show, uh, what you liked, what you'd li it's like, should we do another one, a part two, or as Veronique might say, un part deux, peut-être un part deux. Okay. So do you want part two? 
what you liked, what you didn't like, what you'd like to see more of. Um, and then we have a list of all the questions. So if we, if we do more, we can, we can continue to answer. Um, and put, yeah. put in the comments on YouTube. What do you want me to ask? What topics do you want to make sure I cover? That'd be wonderful. This was super fun, honey. Thank you. Let's go have dinner now. Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I must give you the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer here. This podcast, Better with Dr. Stephanie, is for general information only. And the advice, recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship that has been formed and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. In other words, guys, be smart about this. Take it with a grain of salt. Take this information to your primary healthcare provider and have a discussion with him or her to make the best choice that is for you. Remember, I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. And these conversations are meant for educational purposes only. 